Good morning. It is so good to be here. So good. Um, this morning, I pray that um, through this message that you will be encouraged, greatly encouraged in your faith. Um, you know, I don't know of one person that um, has had enough encouragement. You know, yeah, I've had enough. Don't need it. I'm good. I'm full. No, I think every single one of us can be encouraged in our faith. And especially, you know, as we're faced with difficulties, whether it be personal one-on-one conversations or just overall certain situations in our lives, uh, certain seasons that we're going through, uh, we definitely need a bit more uh, encouragement in the expression of our faith. Uh, In fact, um, what we hope to always get to is to a place to where we have a fearless faith. Uh, One that in the face of difficulties, uh, circumstances, situations, conversations, um, that we display this uh, courage within us, that regardless of what we have before us, that we have a fearless faith. And so that's what we're going to be learning about this morning, a fearless faith. Uh, Please turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. This is a continuation of where we left off last week, and... um, just a result of what uh, really took place from that. And so we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts uh, in chapter 4. A Fearless Faith is the title of this morning's message. So let's begin by reading a few verses here. In verse 1, we start as it says, And as they were speaking to the people... The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what great fruit came about by the proclamation of the gospel by your apostle Jesus or by your apostle Peter, and how it is that as he declared your word and how it was that he explained the good news, Lord, that he. Um, He saw much fruit. How encouraging is that? But Lord, the most important thing is that he remained faithful to you regardless of what he didn't know if 5,000 or 5 would come to faith. He didn't know what was going to come. And yet the most important thing in your eyes is that we remain faithful to you. And he did. And 5,000 came to faith. But there's more that's coming. For people were greatly annoyed as they are today. There's great opposition now as there was then to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning by your word, Lord, and by your spirit that you would give us understanding of your word. That as we are encouraged that we would be strengthened and fortified and our faith going out with boldness to preach the gospel 
Lord, to testify of what we've come to know and believe, that others, too, may come to salvation. Whether it be one or many, it really doesn't matter, Lord. For you desire that all should come to repentance, but, Lord, that we may be faithful, that we may rejoice and be joyful, Lord, at the fact that we possess the eternal hope, being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, our lives are a reflection of that love that you first demonstrated to us. And so, Lord, may this time be glorifying to you. Give us understanding by your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a fearless faith. There is a, what we're going to see this morning is, uh, is, is threats being breathed by the enemies of God. And, and that's one thing that also we need to understand, that as we are opposed, is we are confronted uh, you know, in, in our faith and the things that we say, that even as the, the Apostle Peter acknowledged that it, it wasn't a confrontation against him. It, it was really the uh, rejection of and, and the, the complete denial of Jesus Christ. And that's really what, what's important to understand here. And then, and then get some thick skin and keep going. You know, a fearless faith. So there's threats. To threaten is a hostile tactic used to strike fear in the heart of someone to cause them to do something or stop from doing something that they are not inclined to do. And so uh, it's, a, it's a tactic. And we see it all around us. We see it uh, expressed in, in movies and in different situations. Threats. Some threats are explicit while others are perceived or even imagined. Some threats are no threats at all, and yet for us we can perceive these threats and it causes us to stop or be paralyzed. And this morning we will see how Peter and John were accused, arrested, questioned, and then threatened for making their faith in Jesus Christ public. You know, our faith is safe as long as we keep it to ourselves. You know the saying, you know, uh, what is it, share the gospel and if necessary speak you know i know i messed that up but you you understand what i'm saying you know that's actually um it's wishful thinking i think it's lazy actually i think it's lazy a lazy faith because if faith comes by hearing so then that would involve what speaking right if faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by Speaking, what is it that we ought to speak? The word. So faith comes by the word of Jesus Christ. It says in Romans ten seventeen. So we need to make our faith public, not just in the way we live our lives, but in what we speak also. Uh, the enemy and those who are opposed to Jesus Christ, hey, listen, it's fine You can have your own faith, but just keep it to yourself. Keep it private. And Jesus says, no. No. So who are we to obey? Man or Jesus? Well, we're going to learn a lot about Peter and John here. Because when they were threatened, when they were arrested, questioned, and then threatened for making their faith in Jesus Christ public, it didn't faze them at all. 
In fact, they tell their friends of the, their experience and then pray for God's granting of more boldness to speak the gospel with all boldness. Yeah, they went back and told their friends, hey, guess what happened to us? We were arrested, we were imprisoned, we were questioned, we were threatened, and, uh, and yet, you know, here we are. Let's, let's praise God and uh, let's ask for mo- more boldness. Oh, I, I love that about these two. I, I love their example, and I love the example that we see in the early disciples of Jesus Christ. Because this is a fearless faith that brings a message of hope for you and I. Romans 1, 16, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knew the power of the spoken gospel, and by the Spirit he gives understanding. Just keep in mind, what Peter preached at the day of Pentecost wasn't much. It wasn't a lengthy message, and yet many came to faith, 3,000. We know that what Peter preached at Solomon's portico, and we learned about last week, wasn't lengthy. And yet, as we will see, thousands came to faith. Sometimes we need, we we seem to think that we need so much explained to us. We don't. We really don't. What Jesus did was prophesied by the law and the prophets. It was fulfilled in him. He went to the cross for you. He died for your sins on the cross. He shed his blood for you to appease the righteous wrath of God against your sins sins. He did that for you. He was buried on the third day, was resurrected from the grave. He appeared to many, all his apostles and many disciples. And 40 days later, he ascended and today sits at the right hand of the Father. That's what you need to know. That's the entirety of my preaching. Have a great morning and we'll see you next week. That's the gospel. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. What do we do? We repent. We surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And he then gives us a new heart, new desires, and we follow him. Every day, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him. That's what we are to do. In response to the eternal uh, hope that we have in him. In response. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Nothing. I believe each one of us can use a little more courage to deal with threats against us that are explicit and imagined. You know, against our own imaginations and those that are explicit and real. To deal with threats against us. Threats to stop making uh, our faith public. Telling others of the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This morning, I pray that you are encouraged in your faith through the story of Peter and John. As they boldly and publicly tell of the good news of Jesus Christ. And see how they respond to the hostile confrontation they had with the local authorities. So they had a, they got mixed up with the local authorities. And we'll see what Peter and John did. Matthew five eleven and 12. Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you. And persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're no, you're no different than the prophets that were persecuted before you. He said, rejoice, rejoice. And in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your reward? Where's your treasure? Because a reward and treasure in heaven is laid up in the faithful and consistent declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the life and word of a Christian in spite of any opposition, hostile threats, or actual persecution, or our imaginations, and I can't stress that enough, our own imaginations. Let me say that again, our own imaginations. What we build up, sometimes, um, you know, the, the things really aren't real. You know, it's been said that we worry... Uh, what we worry about, really, 90% or 95%, we can't do anything about it anyway. <laughs> we, we can only do something with about 5% of what we worry about. Think about that. It's a lot of imagined persecution, sometimes in the life of the believer. And we give the enemy too much credit. Oh, Satan is doing this to me. No, no, he's not. You're doing it to yourself. Now, when questioned, Peter clarifies who Jesus is and what they were guilty of and where they can find salvation. When threatened, Peter and John considered God as the ultimate and righteous judge whom they would obey over a man. They would continue to testify of what they knew. When released, they encouraged their friends by giving an account of what had taken place and, when, and then prayed for more boldness to continue to teach and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So three things we're going to see. When question, clarify. When threaten, testify. And when free, fortify. Those three things. Let's start out. When question, clarify. Verse 1 again. It says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people, and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the, the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, the, uh, Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builder's which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A bold proclamation of the gospel. As we see the word being brought forth by the Apostle Peter 
to the leaders of the people. Last week, we left off with Peter seizing the moment when thousands gathered around them in awe of the healing of a 40-plus-year-old man. He was a paralytic from birth. And yet here he stood, healed. And he seized the moment. And he preached the gospel. Peter had clarified to them who Jesus was and what they were guilty of and what they were to do to know forgiveness of sins and no times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. What did he say? Repent, be converted, be born again, and be blessed by God's grace. And I can just imagine, because it's a continu- this morning it's a continuation of that. The authorities pushing through the crowd, coming to a place to where they had Peter and John before them. Peter preaching the gospel to everyone. The thousands that were gathered there at the hour of prayer, at the temple, at Solomon's portico. Why is everyone gathered together? What's, what's the excitement here? Why, why is it that everyone is so quiet? And I hear the voice of one man. Who is it? Well, they came to find out that they were teaching and proclaiming Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We have here the captain of the temple, which would be the, the temple chief of police, is what we would have. The priests and the Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees, and just so you know this, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And so for them, to preach the resurrection of the dead was offensive. And so they were offended. They didn't like, they were opposed to Peter's teaching. Teaching the resurrection of the dead. They went against their beliefs. The action they took against Peter and John to stop them from continuing this teaching and preaching was simple. Let's not have dialogue here. Let's not argue with them from Scripture. But let's just arrest them. We have the chief of police here. Um, Please arrest this man. We don't like what he's saying. It's against what we teach. So they arrested Peter and John. And we know that they're going to question and threaten them. So there they were at the temple going to the 3 3 p.m. prayer at the temple and when they're faced with a divine opportunity to preach the gospel, and now they're arrested. They didn't know what was coming. That's why, you know, I had said earlier, they didn't know. They didn't know if one or three or who was going to respond to the gospel. Peter just seized the moment. He wasn't there. They were just minding their own business, right? In fact, what what were they going to do? Were they going specifically to preach the gospel? Let's go set up a a soapbox, and let's preach the gospel. No, no, no. They, they didn't do that. They were just going to pray with everyone else. And they discerned that this was a divine opportunity. As this man was now healed, and thousands were around him. And then they preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. Peter did. And, and uh, they were all listening. But here they are now, facing arrest. Previously, 3,000 saved souls, and now 
5,000, as it says in verse 4. They repented and gave their lives to Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness. They believed. And again, again, it was a simple and clear message. Simple. It's really simple. You know what prevents us from salvation? Our pride. Because we, we uh, completely reject Jesus Christ. We, we, we want to remain where we are. It's just, it's pride. We don't want to surrender our will to someone else's. Surrender our will to someone else's? We're stubborn. It's our pride. Well, they humbled themselves before a holy and righteous God. They believed him. And they came to know salvation. Well, the day after they were arrested, they were questioned before the Sanhedrin, which is about 70 leaders. Uh, The same ones, by the way, who had condemned Jesus not too long ago. It was, you see, it was all about intimidation. Can you imagine uh, Peter and John being brought before the Sanhedrin? I mean, these people were um, powerful. They had the authority over the people. It'd be like being brought before the Supreme Court. I mean, I'm just preaching the gospel. And here it is, you know, we're all in, I don't know, could be anyone. Any one of you. We're just minding our own business. And all of a sudden, we're arrested and brought before the Supreme Court. (laughs) Be a bit intimidating, wouldn't it be? Of the United States of America? Wow. Here we are. What are we going to do? Ray, let's preach the gospel. Let's go for it. Right? What do you think, Richard? Preach the gospel? Let's do it. If Peter discerned that he had an opportunity earlier, he's certainly discerning the right thing as he's brought before the Sanhedrin to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ one more time. I wonder if at this time, his memory came back to what Jesus told them in Matthew chapter 10. Verse 16, Jesus was was speaking to them. He says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Belzebul, How much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. 
What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I wonder. Obviously, there was a boldness in Peter that hadn't been seen prior to the day of Pentecost. Remember, he was the one that said, Oh, wash my feet and my whole body. He was the same one who, who ran and denied Jesus three times. And now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered. And he's declaring the gospel to any that come before him. And you know. We know that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and they had been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And they were trusting what Jesus had told them. How at the time they would be brought before the authorities, it would not be them who speak, but the Spirit of your Father, he said, speaking through you. So don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't get all nervous. It's okay. When they bring you before others, just trust in the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you remembrance of what I've told you. Because they are now sheep as sheep among wolves, just like the lamb was brought before those who would lead him to the slaughter. But he overcame sin and the grave, and in him, so have we. They were attempting to intimidate, and they questioned, and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and clarified for them as he was questioned who this man was healed by and by what power he was standing before them. Not only by Jesus of Nazareth, the one that they had crucified. Okay, we know that he was Jesus of Nazareth. He he was the son of Mary and Joseph. But he was also the one whom God raised from the dead. And not only was he the one that God raised from the dead, but also the one who is a stone, which the builders rejected. You. You. He's not only the one who is a stone which the builders rejected, but also the one who has become the cornerstone. And Peter was referencing, and this they knew, Peter was referencing Psalm 118.22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. They were, they were teaching the teachers. They were explaining This was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Peter was declaring that Jesus was God, having the power to heal, and that he was the Savior, the resurrected one, the Messiah who has power over death, and the only one who could save. And at this point, they knew exactly who Peter was saying Jesus was. He he was the Son of God through whom salvation comes. Because in verse 12... He says, and there is salvation in no one else. They knew, they knew that salvation only came through God. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So there's no question. So what Peter did, and this is what we can't miss here. Peter clarified who Jesus was for them. And so when questioned, uh, no circumstances 
can prevail. No intimidation can paralyze us. No fear can stop us. Just as with Peter, when questioned, no circumstances prevailed. No intimidation paralyzed him. No fear stopped him from clarifying and declaring who Jesus was. So we pray for boldness and confidence that we can explain. A fearless faith also comes that as when we're threatened, at that moment of being threatened, that we simply testify of what we've come to know and believe. Verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in, in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So when threatened, testify what you have come to believe and know. They acknowledged Peter's and John's boldness. We give it to them. They're, they're pretty bold. And they also perceived that they were uneducated and common men. That's why they were astonished. <laughs> These boys, I, I didn't think they were very smart, but I thought they were uneducated men. Aren't they Galileans? Fishermen? I'm bewildered. I'm astonished. Where they get such knowledge? But they also recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, they had heard this before. So they knew the gospel. They had heard it before. I said, wow. They're quoting the prophets. They're quoting script. They're quoting the Psalms. Quoting the law. Because what they were saying is that the, these, uh, these people, well, they have been educated by Jesus. And, and he gave them knowledge. He gave these country boys knowledge. You know, it's like they knew what they were talking about. Which would not otherwise be common for them to know. James 1.5 says, if any of you, underline that, if any of you. In the, when you mark James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And again, Romans ten seventeen, as I had pointed to it earlier in the message, says this, Romans ten seventeen. so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Listen, you too, it doesn't matter if you graduated from 8th grade or 12th grade or are still in school and have your master's or doctorate, it doesn't really matter. What matters for the Christian is that you spend time 
with Jesus and glorify him with, with whatever background of education that you do have. Spend time with Jesus and you too will know and understand how to clarify who Jesus is when questioned. It's, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's quite simple. Spend time in God's word because the most important thing that the, the most, um, the, the greatest thing that someone can say is obviously you have spent time with Jesus. It's obvious. By the way you're speaking, by the way you're living your life, it's obvious. They questioned Peter and John and they got an answer. And do you think they were really looking for the truth? I don't. Their main goal, you see, was to stop the spreading of the gospel. They didn't really care about the answer. They just wanted to stop them. This is always the goal of Satan. He can succeed in many ways. Whether he is hindering you directly or using you to hinder the spreading of the gospel because we can hinder the spreading of the gospel. And it doesn't really matter to him as long as he is fulfilling that goal. Know that and understand it. They couldn't explain or argue against the healing of the man because he was standing before them. Well, obviously, he's right there. He's standing. That's amazing. I'll give them that. And it was obvious to everyone in Jerusalem, so they conceded. So they agreed. Okay, we'll ignore that. Just threaten Peter and John. That's what we're going to do. And they did in verses 17 and 18. It says there... <clears throat> But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They threatened them. In other words, they basically gave them a lawful order to cease and desist. Not to speak in the name or teach in the name of Jesus. Uh, their response, it's great. Hey, listen, you can judge whether, you know, listening to you or not is, is right or wrong, really, for us. In other words, they were saying it really doesn't matter um, because we are before the Lord and we can't but testify of what we've come to know. 1 John 1, 1 through 4, it says, and this is John writing this, <clears throat> one of the two that were there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you, these things so that our joy may be complete. Well, here we are. Peter and John's joy was complete when they saw 5,000 come to faith. They wanted more of that. Join in the fellowship of the saints. Join in this relationship with the Father. That's what gives us great joy. And when we come together in fellowship, we talk about the things of God. We talk about how amazing he is, how faithful he is. He provides, he does all these things. But most of all, he's provided salvation. And that's what gave them the fullness of joy. We give testimony of what we haven't seen and yet believe. 
Think about that. John 20, verse 29 says, Jesus said to him, Who is it doubting? Thomas. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Are you testifying of him because you simply believe? Well, they didn't like their response, and so they threatened them some more, as we see here, and let them go because they didn't want to make the wrong impression upon the people. I mean, there, was a, there, was, there were thousands who came to believe, 5,000. And others were just singing God's praises because they saw this man healed. Regardless of what they were threatened with, they did not change their story, and they did not deny their faith what they knew they testified of. And so when questioned, clarify. When threatened, testify. When free, fortify. Verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They ran to their friends. That's what they did. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, so they prayed. So let's talk about what what happened first when they ran to their friends. This is what happens when you come together in fellowship in the name of Jesus and for his glory. There is no time, you know, to deal with uh, issues of gossip, slander, jealousies, attitudes, divisions, contentions from within. Because as everyone focuses on being witnesses to all of Jesus, the wholeness of Jesus and who he is, and living lives that not only live for Jesus, but also tell of Jesus, and then we... We share those stories with each other. We encourage one another to do the same. We stir each other up to love and good works. In fact, it says that in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, let us hold, let us hold uh, to and consider, let, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's what happens in fellowship. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 43, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread of, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And so that's what was happening here. Here we see this healing, and then we see the gospel uh, preached and taught, and we saw many come to salvation and more that could devote themselves to the fellowship of the saints and prayer. Because notice that they told their friends of what had taken place, and then they went directly into prayer, which we see in verses 24 through 30. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made uh, the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in the city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. A prayer. See, they weren't fooled. 
They, they discerned the people were plotting in vain and that this plotting was against, not them, it was against the Lord. Against Jesus Christ. It wasn't that they were against Peter and John, but against Jesus. That was the bottom line. It wasn't a message about Peter and John. It was, it was a message about Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they also acknowledged that what had previously happened, and so is happening even now, that it was all according to, according to God's plan. That's, that's where we can rest easy, by the way. That's where, that's, that's where even the things that we're going through now, God is with us all the way through. If we believe that, then we can look at what's happening like now in our lives and know hmm, what others perhaps mean for evil, God means for good. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to God's purpose. Yeah. So it's like, what is it that we can do with this situation that would make us, transform us, make us into an image that perhaps reflects more of God's glory, that makes us a bit more mature in the Lord? As we do that, then things don't seem so overwhelming. Even those things that we go through, they're not worth mentioning with the glory that awaits us in Christ. They're not worth they're not worth mentioning. Think about that. We too ought to not be overwhelmed by what we see around us, what the eye sees, what we experience, but rather we ought to acknowledge that God has warned us about this and in the midst of it what we ought to do. He warned us, testify of Jesus Christ without fear. We can with all boldness do that. Luke twenty one twenty eight. Now, when these things begin to take place, this is out of Jesus' mouth. So straighten up. So straighten up. Go ahead. Straighten up in your chairs. All right. There we go. All right. Straighten up. Raise up your heads. That's a posture. That's a spiritual posture before God. When these happen, it's not like, So evil out there. It's dark. We're hopeless. No, he's he's straighten up. Lift up your heads. Why? Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption, your redemption, your redemption is drawing near. Isn't that exciting? We live in exciting days. I know some ministries, they just like, they focus on the end times and all that. It's already written, quite frankly, it's already written. It's there. We can look at the things that are are going on, but don't get so tied up in those things that you lose focus of the very thing that Peter was focused on. Pay attention and discern the divine appointments that God has for you to tell of the good news. That's what we ought to be given to. Rejoice. Have this beautiful countenance about you, knowing that you have hope. And you can explain to someone else how they can have hope too. Acknowledging what had taken place, they then prayed for all boldness to speak God's word. 
That's what they did. They were asking the Lord to give them all the boldness they needed to continue declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of who questions, tries to intimidate, commands them to stop, or even threatens them with more imprisonment or death. This could be, this could be you down the road if you continue to do this. Okay, you be the judge if that's right or wrong before the Lord. For us, before God, we know that we just need to be obedient. I believe, I believe Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So, you know, I have the great commission. That's all I need. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to declare the gospel. And then we're asking God to fortify them. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Immovable. Immovable. That's the hope that we have in Christ. No matter what, a little bit more drag, right, on that chain. As long as it's anchored behind the veil in Christ, immovable, going anywhere. That God would fortify them, and they were fortified. Filling them with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I, I noticed that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Aren't we already filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, but we're leaky vessels. We are. If you ever have enough of the Holy Spirit, just know that you don't have enough of the Holy Spirit. You know, just, a, just an infilling, a pouring in of the Holy Spirit. If you lack joy, uh, probably lack intimacy with the, with the Lord and His Word and the Holy Spirit. You know, they, they had already received the Holy Spirit. Had come within them, sealed them for the day of redemption, Right? And he also came upon them to empower them for the work that the Lord had set before them. But man, we should always be asking for an infill. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. I would need more of your spirit. More of your Holy Spirit. But they were asking for a specific reason. And that was that they would be empowered to speak the word of God with boldness. Those things. So be encouraged, church. When questioned, clarify. When threatened, testify. And when free, fortify. At the end of this, in verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, I was just waiting. I was thinking maybe it would shake. Can you imagine, though, after they got done praying... I'm sure somewhere at some time, some pastor preached this, and just at the very end of that verse right there, (laughs) you know, we live in California, a little trembling. It's like, whoa. It trembled. I mean, the place was just shaking. I I think we need more passion. We need more excitement within the church. We need more of a focus, of a zeal, of just being lasered in on on, uh, really... Blessing the Lord, glorifying Him, living for His glory. And then desiring this. I want to be more bold to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of what comes my way. That's what I want. I, would, I desire that above all. That's it. So know the word of God to have the knowledge and understanding to clarify when questioned. Testify of what you know is right and what you believe, even when threatened. And continue to ask God to strengthen you, to fortify you. And give you more boldness to tell more people of the good news of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Because 
Acts 4.12 is true. If you don't know this and you haven't come to salvation, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is his name through whom salvation comes. Believe on him. Repent. Give your life to him. Surrender your life to him. He promises a new heart in the hope of forever being in his glory. At the moment, our last breath here and our first with him. A fearless faith. Father, we thank you. Lord, for this example that we have before us in Peter and John. How it is that regardless of what they were faced with and threatened with, that they cared more and were given to being obedient to you. If man's laws ever come in opposition to you, Lord, we know who to obey. So I pray, Lord, that we would see what was important here, and that is the gospel. That we as your people would be joyful, would be discerning about those moments that you give to us with someone else. To either encourage them by your word or, or Lord, Lord, to clarify um, who it is that you are and how to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give us more, more boldness, that you, pour, you would pour your spirit out upon us, and you would fill us with your spirit overflowing, that your church would be anointed, that we would be empowered, equipped, and Lord, as you send us, as you send us out, Lord, that we would, Lord, have the confidence in you, a humble confidence to tell others the good news. In Jesus' name we pray.